the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Don't allow your surroundings to change who you are as a godly woman. Don't allow that to happen. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. And now for part two of a study in the book of Esther. I wonder if you have a teachable spirit like Esther. I wonder if you as a Christian are genuinely nice or I wonder if you're just a little stinky. You know, I wonder if you just have like a chip on your shoulder. I wonder if you just like, you know, I'm going to do things my way or the highway. I wonder what it is. If you have that attitude, you should go to the Lord. It's not like he doesn't know. It's not like, Lord, I want to confess to you. I'm a little stinky. Really? I never noticed that. No, God knows. He already knows. But don't just settle for who you are today. You know, it's like, look, we we live in Los Angeles. I mean, Los Angeles is like, oh my goodness. Don't act like if you're a Christian here that you got baptized in lemon juice. Don't be that person who's bitter and sour. But we live in L.A. And look, everyone's a little nasty here in L.A., right? I mean, it's like you drive around the street. You know, one thing that just bothers me to no end is when I'm sitting at a, a, a red light. And it's like I'm not texting. Imagine someone texting while they're sitting at a light. Okay, well, I do. But you're looking at the light. And it changes. Like, it just changed. And the person behind you is like, you're like, It's been one millisecond. My foot's coming off the brake pedal. It takes just a half a second to do that. It's like, you know, be a little patient, but you can get a little bitter living here, right? Everyone's on edge. No one's nice. All of these things. It's like it's easy to become what your surroundings are. What I'm saying is here, don't allow your surroundings to change who you are as a godly woman. Don't allow that to happen. That means we should open doors for people. Someone drops something in front of you. Pick it up for them. I mean, be kind. Be nice. Be the exception to the rule living in this city. Understand this. Don't ever forget this. No matter what your past is, no matter how bad it was, no matter how many shortcomings you've had in your life, no matter what your physical looks are, or whatever else you think that you lack in your life. Do you know that God, that will never keep you from being used by God? Doesn't matter what you look like, doesn't matter what your past is, doesn't matter how many times you failed, that will never keep you from being used by God. But if you're prideful and you're arrogant, you have a rebellious attitude, a refusal to obey God's word that's inside of you, that will keep you from God's best every time. God desires to use us. 
all we have to do is what the Bible says to do. And one of the things that he tells us in James 4.10 is, humble yourself before the mighty hand of God, and he will lift you up. Which brings up our point of villainous foe. Now the plot thickens, the drama deepens as this man named Haman steps in. He was just promoted and and he's become the king's right-hand man. Let's read what happens in chapter 3, picking up verse 1. It says, after these events, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman, the son of, well, that guy, uh, the Agite, and, and advanced him and established his authority over all the princes who were with him. And all the king's servants who were at the king's gate bowed down and paid homage to Haman. For so the king had commanded concerning him. But Mordecai neither bowed nor paid homage. Verse 3. Then the king's servants who were at the king's gate said to Mordecai, Why are you transgressing the king's command? Now, it was when they had spoken daily to him, and he would not listen to them, that they told Haman to see whether Mordecai's reasons would stand, for he had told them that he was a Jew. And of course, Jews can't worship other men. They're only to worship God. When Haman saw that Mordecai neither bowed down nor paid homage to him, Haman was filled with rage. But he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had told him who the people of Mordecai were, the Jews. Therefore, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews, the people of Mordecai, who were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus. Wow. Every time period seems to have their villain. There's always the bad guy. And in steps this guy named Haman. And he will prove to be a wicked power-thirsty, conniving, villainous dog. And what was Haman's response to Mordecai? Now remember, he has no clue that this is the new queen's dad. Has no clue. Now Haman believed his own press, of course. You know, he's prideful, he's arrogant, and now he's filled with rage. How dare you not bow down to me? He was no longer satisfied with the cheers from the masses, all because this one man, Mordecai, wouldn't bow down. It blew his whole parade. It rained on him. He disdained and scorned Mordecai. This allowed all of Haman's pent-up anger, his hatred, and his prejudice to just boil over. And he decides to destroy, to exterminate, to annihilate, not just Mordecai, but all the Jews. Let's look what happens here in verse 8, chapter 3, verse 8. It says, Then Haman said to King Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered and dispersed among the peoples of all the provinces of your kingdom. That's again, 127 provinces. And their laws are different from those of all the other people. And they do not observe the king's laws. Uh, The king's laws? No, just where he said to bow down and worship you. But who's keeping track? So it is not in the king's interest, he said, to let them remain. Oh, really? Verse 9. If it is pleasing to the king, let it be decreed that they will be destroyed. And I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who carry on the king's business to put in the king's treasuries. Wow, really? 
This is evil that is spewing before our eyes. What started as a little bit of anger and prejudice is now turning into murder, mass murder. As Haman radically stretches the truth, he says, these people don't obey the king's laws. Excuse me, Mr. Axe the Grind. The truth is one man did not bow down and kiss your feet. Verse 9 says that he'll pay the king 10,000 talents of silver. 10,000 talents. What's a talent? Well, when you look it up, a talent is anywhere from 75 pounds to 124 pounds. I mean, there's a few different ways you can look at it in the Bible, but the minimum weight is each talent is 75 pounds. So think about that, 16 ounces in a pound. Now you've got 10,000 Talents, 10,000 times 75, that's 375 tons of silver at 20 bucks an ounce, which is basically what silver is worth today. That's about 240 million bucks. And the king buys this fabrication hook, line, and sinker. He's just thinking, oh, you're going to give me uh, you know, a quarter of a billion dollars into the king's account? Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, kill them all. He hands over his signet ring. It's the official seal. It's the carte blanche. It's the power to do whatever Haman wanted to do. In essence, the king said, yeah, go ahead and kill them all. Sounds like Nazi Germany. Adolf Hitler in World War II killing six million Jews trying to wipe out an entire nation of people. The king is a complete and total fool here. Why? Because number one, he signs a death warrant for an entire race of people without further investigation of exactly what they were guilty of. Number two, Esther, his new bride, the queen, the woman who swept him off of his feet, the woman who loves him tremendously and he loves her, is a Jew. Hmm. This was all started because Mordecai chose to obey God rather than to bow down to a man. And just why did Mordecai not bow down? Well, the first and second of the commandments of God says what? It says, you shall worship no other God but me. And you shall not bow down to any graven image or anything. It's amazing how there's even mainline denominations in our world today that have statues and pictures and all of this stuff. And people bow down to worship and light candles too. It's like God says, don't bow down to any image or statue. None. And it's like, Mordecai's like, I'm not bowing down to you, Haman. I'm not going to bow down and worship you. We're told in chapter 4, verse 1, as the plot thickens, it says, when Mordecai learned all that had been done, that this edict has been signed to kill all the Jews, he tore his clothes, he put on sackcloth and ashes, and he went into the midst of the city, and he wailed loudly and bitterly. Jumping down to verse 4, it says, Then Esther's maidens and her eunuchs came and told her, and the queen writhed in great anguish, and she sent garments to clothe Mordecai, that he might remove his sackcloth from him, but he did not accept them. Sackcloth and ashes, along with crying out loudly. This was a a visible expression of someone's internal grief and pain. See, in this culture, that's what they would do. See, in our culture, what do we do? We hold it in. 
Yeah, we go to work and say, How's it going? Oh, fine. I'm, I'm good. No, you've got all kinds of disaster happening in your life. And, oh, I'm fine. I'm good. And we hold it in. We hold it in. We hold it in. Oh, and this day? Oh, no. They said, I can rip your clothes, ashes all over your face, and you just you know, cry out loudly. It's what happens here in this type culture here. They express themselves visibly and vocally. This caused Esther to be exceedingly grieved. Remember, She's been living the Cinderella story up to this point. The orphan girl turned queen of the known world. Now her dad is completely overcome with fear and trembling. She's never seen him like this before. What do I do? So she sends him a new suit. Oh, dad, don't be sad. What could be so bad? I'm your daughter. I'm the queen. Yet Mordecai refuses everything. And he tells her the bad news. It's death. It's death for me. It's death for you. It's death for every Jew. And now, listen here, daughter, you've got to go appeal to the king on behalf of the Jewish people, which Esther says, "Uh, no can do. Dad, you don't understand how it works here. See, it's like, I just can't go to the king anytime. Even though I'm the queen, if I go to his presence without him calling me first, I will be killed. And he hasn't called me for a month. I mean, what's going on here? He hasn't not talked to his wife for a month. I mean, but anyway, it's like, she's like, I can't just go in there. You don't understand. It's not how it works. I can't do this. It's not going to happen for me. Which brings up our final point. A faithful woman. And Mordecai quickly responds to Esther's refusal to go in and step in before the king. It says in chapter 4, verse 13, Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not imagine that you in the king's palace can escape any more than all the Jews. For if you remain silent during this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish. And who knows, Esther, whether you have not attained royalty as the queen for such a time as this. Wow. Her dad says, listen to me, young lady. Your social status means nothing. You can't hide behind your crown. If this law goes into effect, because you're a Jew, you will die. And don't think God's hands are tied if you choose not to obey him. God can raise up somebody else. You know, every time, you ever get that little nudge inside? Little nudge, nudge, nudge. You know, it's like you're somewhere, you're at the mall, you're at the grocery store, you know, you're at work, you know, you're coming out of your house, and all of a sudden there's your neighbor, you know, there's someone that, you know, all of a sudden you get that nudge, like, hey, you should share with them that there's a God in heaven that loves them. And you're just like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> ever have that happen? I have. And it's like, <laughs> and so God says, you have an opportunity here. And if you miss it, God will give it to somebody else as I was driving to the airport for the 11.30 at night flight, the last one, and I'm like, oh, God, don't let me get on the airplane and sit next to somebody who wants to talk. I'm tired. And it's like, God, I don't want to talk to anyone. I'm tired. I just want to get on the plane and sleep. God's like, okay. So he puts me on a commercial flight with nobody else on the flight. I'm the only one. And who wants to talk? The main flight attendant. And I'm like, oh. But then as we're talking, quickly turned into a conversation about the Lord. 
And then it quickly turned into her disaster life with her teenager that she's having all kinds of problems. Then all of a sudden it turned to her and where is she at in her relationship with Christ. And as we were landing, she was giving her heart to Jesus. And I'm thinking like, oh, Lord, thank you for not answering my prayer. I would have missed that. And every time that you miss that, uh, but then some of you might say, but I went with the oomph one time and I, I went to talk to the person that I had the oomph over and I, I went to talk to him and they just laughed at me. They didn't, they didn't listen. So you're wrong. It's like, no, God still wanted that rebellious person to hear the truth. And you shared it with them. And by the way, you don't know what they left with. They might have looked at you and said, ah, you, you Christians are, are crazy nutcases. And as she went home, because the Bible says the word of God goes out and doesn't come back void, they might have ended up giving their life to Christ because of that that you shared with them. See, if you don't go with the oomph inside, God will send someone else and you'll miss the blessing on it. But let me remind you, he says to his daughter, Esther, you were a lonely orphan girl when I picked you up. And just maybe you went from this rags to riches story for this very reason, for such a time as this. Mordecai is saying, this is your hour, girl. It's time for you to stand up. It's time to speak the truth. It's time to be used of God. Don't be silent. And as we live in this day and age where the wills are coming off, our culture is just completely demolishing itself. As we're looking at the problems that we see, this is our time. This is what happens here. God wants to use us. It means God wants to invest in the lives of other people. This is where Eugene Patterson said this quote, talking about Esther here. He says, wherever there is a people of God, there are enemies of God. The moment Haman surfaced, Esther began moving from being a beauty queen to becoming a Jewish saint, from an empty-headed sex symbol to becoming a passionate intercessor for the people of God, end quote. Moms and stepmoms, you've had great purpose in this life. God has still more for you. It's not just about you. It's about the influence that you can have on your entire family. It's the impact that you can have on the lives of your children, on your coworkers, your neighbors, not to just love them, but to invest in them. To be more specific, it means to raise them up in the way of the Lord. And if you do not love and discipline your children, listen to what happens to your children, mom, especially those of you that still have children in your home. Proverbs 29, 15 says, the rod and the reproof gives wisdom, but a child who gets their own way brings shame to their mother. So correct your son, correct your daughter, and they will give you comfort and God will delight your soul. Yes, God used Esther to foil the plans of Haman. Now, look, you could spend three or four Bible studies going through the book of Esther. We don't have that time here. So let me just give you the gist of what happens. And you can read it for yourself when you get home today. But this is what happens. So Esther says, okay, dad, I'm going to go in. If I die, I die. So she goes in before the king. And the king sees her like, Esther, I didn't call for you, but he puts his scepter forward, meaning, hey, you can come on in. It's okay. I'm not going to take you out for this. He says, how can I serve you, honey bunch? And she says, well, sugar muffin, 
I was asking if you, I added a couple words here. You'll know which ones. Okay. Anyway, it's like, I was wondering if, if you and your right-hand man, Haman, can come to brunch today. It's like, sure, anything for you, dumpling. Okay, so she has a little brunch set up, and they come over, and so they're sitting there. So, you know, her husband, the king's like, well, what can I do for you? What do you want? Anything, whatever, you name it, you got it. And I don't know if she gets cold feet. She chickens out. She doesn't know what to do. She's like, huh, 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 huh. I don't know what to do. You know what it's like, ladies, sometimes you get a little overwhelmed, okay? I think she just gets overwhelmed, and she says, uh, this is what I want. Tomorrow, can you come back for another brunch? Sure. <laughs> okay, so they're going to come back tomorrow for another brunch. I think she just chickened out. Okay, whatever the case is. We'll find out when we get to heaven. Ask her. But anyway, so now we're going to do brunch tomorrow. So what happens in the meantime? Well, Haman goes home. It's like, the, the queen loves me. It's like, you know, it's like, so he gets home. He brags to his wife and all his friends. He's like, man, the queen loves me. She not only had me over for a brunch with the king today, but wants me back tomorrow. But, you know, even with all this great joy in my heart, there's one guy that just drives me crazy, and it's stealing all my joy. Well, who's that? Mordecai. I hate this guy. So his wife says, well, why don't you just build a gallows and hang him in the front yard? Gee, honey, that's a great idea. Okay, so he gets the gallows going in his front yard to hang Mordecai on the next day. Now, what happens that night? The king goes to bed. La-da-da, and good night. Gee, I can't sleep. Uh, let me get up and read. Let me read the chronicles of what's happened in the kingdom lately. Who gets up at one o'clock in the morning and reads the chronicles of what happened in the kingdom lately? So he's got his uh, servant there and he's reading him all these things. And like, yeah, and there was an attack on the king and that was foiled because this guy named Mordecai ratted out these guys that had a plan to kill you, king. He goes, oh, really? He goes, what happened now? He goes, well, these guys were planning an espionage, an attack on the king. And this guy named Mordecai that sits at the gate, he warned the gate guard. And he went and found out. And he goes, wow, that was really going to happen. And we got these guys before they killed you. He's like, wow. Hey, what did we ever do for this guy named Mordecai? He goes, well, actually, we never did nothing for him. He goes, geez, that's not right. So the next morning, you know, here comes Amon. Hi, king, how's it going? You know, and it's like, hey. What would you say, since you're my right-hand man, if I really wanted to bless someone, someone that I really like, what would you say? Well, of course, Haman thinking, well, he's got to be talking about me. (laughs) I'm his best friend. Okay, so he says, well, if I was you, king, it's got to be me. It's got to be me. I would take one of your robes and put your robe on me, I mean, on whoever you're talking about, and then I would set me on your favorite horse, I mean, whoever you're talking about. I'd set, and then I'd have him rolled all around the kingdom and let everyone just praise him. He's like, that's a great idea. Can you do it for me? It's Mordecai I want to bless. No. Like, what is the chance of that happening? What is the chance of that happening? That's how God works. He just works in the craziest things. And so he has to go out there with the horse, with Mordecai, and take him all around the city. Worship him, worship him, okay? And more, it's like, what is the chance of that happening? So then he gets done strolling Mordecai all through the city with the king's robe on on his favorite stallion. So then he goes home. Now he's crying to his wife. I can't believe it. <laughs> it's like, all oh, this is happening. And then and it's like his wife goes, oh, this Mordecai, that's the one you wanted to hang? Oh, it's not good for you. And his friends are like going, man, it's, du- it's dust and ashes for you. And while they're telling him like, hey, this isn't going to work out good for you, the king sends his servants to go get him because it's time for the brunch. 
So now he comes into the brunch, and he comes in, well, at least the queen still loves me. And so, you know, here's, okay, honey dumpling, what is it that you want? We're here for the second day for brunch. It's like, what is it up to half of my kingdom? Half of the world-governing empire. You can have whatever you want. What is it, honey? Just tell me. Well, sugar plum, I want my life. It's like, you want your life? Yes, don't kill me. It's like, kill you? Who's going to kill you? Haman, (laughs) Haman just, he freaks out and he's just like, oh, and the king's like, oh, he has to go outside and think about this. Like, what? Haman wants to kill my wife? So then Haman jumps on Esther and he's smothering her because he's freaking out. He's like, no, save my life. Then the king walks back, you're attacking my wife right under my nose. And then right then. Servants come in and say, oh, Haman, we have a message for you. The gallows are done. The the gallows that you want to hang Mordecai on? And the king's like, what? The guy that saved my life? Go hang Haman on his own gallows. I mean, what is the chance of that happening? Crazy. So as we end here today, what can we all learn here, ladies and men alike? What can we learn? Number one, we have all been called by God to live in these difficult times that we're living in here today. We're surrounded by tough times for such a time as this. And number two, we will always have Hamans in our lives, those who will cause us pain, those who will cause us misery. But know this, if you're a Christian, God will always work for the true believer. That's all the time we have for our message. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at corechurchla.org. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.